This is Historical AF, and this morning we are having breakfast in a cup. I'm Natalie. <laughs> I'm Keena. I'm Erica. And I'm Nicole. We're a historian, a librarian, and some special guests bringing you the funny, weird, spooky, morbid historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. This is episode 28. <laughs> it's Halloween, bitches! Woo! Yay! Our special guests today are two out of the three ladies from Cheers from the Grave. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so enthusiastic at early in the morning. You guys, it's so early. It's like 9.30s <laughs> They were like, let's record at 9.30. I'm like, but, but that's when I sleep. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to do a special Halloween episode since these ladies are from a paranormal podcast. So this whole episode will be spooky as shit. Yay! We have called in the experts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Paranormal expert and the cryptid ne- expert because Nicole is our cryptid expert of the podcast. Oh, I love it. I love cryptid a good cryptid. Corners, cryptid corners with Nicole. But normally our Patreon picks an episode for us to do, but this is a special, um, I'm going to call it a twin pick since me and Natalie are twins. So special yeah. twin pick. <laughs> so we, we chose this. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so Natalie, how was Rocky Horror Picture Show? It was amazing. First time I ever saw like an interaction of it and I was with my mom. And my boyfriend, Emery, who has never seen the movie before. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, shit. He's like, I've heard the title, but I don't know what it's about. I'm like, well, do you want to go? It'll be pretty funny. And I, I work so much, I don't get to see him a lot. And so he's like, yeah, I'll go. And I'm like, do you want to know what it's about? I was about to warn him <laughs> about, <laughs> about how ridiculous the whole thing is. And he said, no, 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 no. I wanted to be a surprise. It'll be okay. Oh, oh God. No. and then for those who don't know when you watch the rocky horror picture show shows amazing cast like i love susan sarandon and tim curry and when you first see susan sarandon and the guy she just marries and you see them as this innocent couple when you first meet her the audience yells out slut really loudly and every time you hear him it's asshole and and emory just looks at me like (laughs) What fresh hell did you bring me to? And oh, man. But by the end of it, he was laughing. We, you know, we throw rice at the thing and we shoot water guns to resemble the rain. And he's like, I feel like someone's just peeing on me. <laughs> it was it was awesome. And my mom laughed so hard. She's always uh, loved the show. And it brings back a lot of good memories for her because of her sister, Heather, my birth mother. And so she's like, oh, this is amazing. And by the end, Emery loved it. He thought it was hilarious and approved. And he's like, okay, if you wanted to go to another movie like that again, I'll, I'll be willing to go. Aww. <laughs> that is so fun. But I'll I think everybody to should bring somebody that doesn't know what Rocky Horror is to that. Cause that would be so fun to just watch their reaction. <laughs> It was. I was so entertained just by him. And then the calling from the audience, one part where he says, you're the most beautiful sister I have. And someone yells, I'd hate to see the ugly one. (laughs) (laughs) Someone says, we lose every time. And then someone says, like the hogs, which is the Razorbacks in Arkansas. And they lose a lot, unfortunately. Oh, no. The football team. But it was hilarious. The whole audience laughed and... There were some drunk rednecks behind us, too, that were just yelling obscenities as well. 
they look like biker rednecks and they look <laughs> like they did not belong there with big beards and everything and but they were totally into it they're like show me your dick and it was just priceless <laughs> So how are y'all? <laughs> that was a good transition. Show me your dick. How was your week? <laughs> Lord. What's well, I mean, baby I... stuff you guys been up to? For me, nothing really. I am trying to figure out what my Halloween costume is going to be this year. Ooh. So I have top, a top three. So because my hair is so short and like curly, I'm thinking maybe Nancy Downs from The Craft. Ooh, that's a that would be yes. And I have like all like the crucifix like jewelry and and everything. So I feel like I could do that. And I have all the costume pieces. My second choice, I love Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Oh my god! So I really wanted to be Peter B. Parker (laughs) (laughs) because I I have the green trench coat and the sweatpants, so I could do it. Oh my gosh, my friend Sam did that, and it looked awesome. It's so much fun. Yeah, almost Spider Man. It's so good. And then my third one is Lydia Dietz from the cartoon of Beetlejuice. Oh, uh, also a really These are good all one. such good choices. Like So smart. I found like I found like a red spider web poncho. It's not vertical, it's like horizontal, but like it still works. Mm-hmm. And like I found this wig that I could just like tease the top. So I'm still deciding before I really like settle and buying on the like actual poncho. Mm-hmm. Those are my top three choices right now. Those are hard choices. Right? You should be just, so like, good. a little all of them. <laughs> all three. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Yeah. I know that um, I want to go to Halloween Horror Nights again sometime soon, but the problem is is that this is the first year that they blacked out team members for, oh. like, a good chunk, and it sucks. <laughs> so I think we're during the blackout period, so I think I have to wait until, like, almost November in order to actually like go they have some other like not hhn but like those cheap versions of them in orlando and my friend works at one it's called like dark horizon yeah do I you want to go because i really yes. want to go <laughs> i have a coupon that, um, code 20 percent off ian who's, gonzalez i think works there i don't um, know who that is <laughs> oh he's tiktok famous <laughs> i don't uh, want to go anymore <laughs> <laughs> But no, I've been hearing about Dark Horizons. I want to go. So let's do it. <laughs> okay, let's perfect. Do it. Yes. Fun. Yeah, speaking of the craft, I went to, we have a thing called the Alamo Draft House here. Okay. And it's like a movie theater, but it's a full bar and restaurant. And they bring you food and stuff while you're watching movies. But they do movie nights where they have a big party. And the one coming up is the craft. And oh my God. it's an interactive. It's like Rocky Horror. So they have props and you jump up and yell things. And I that one was like the next one to come out and I'm really excited. I want to go. <laughs> wow. That like really cool. interactive for the craft. I've never heard of that before. That's I know. So cool. Yeah, they do. They have one for uh, nightmare and Elm streets coming up. Oh, that has to be fun. I think ghostbusters and a few other ones. I was like, I have to go. Ugh. Ghostbusters is one of my favorite movies of all time. Cause I have a probably unhealthy obsession with Bill Murray. But- <laughs> I have an unhealthy obsession with Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. So, like, <laughs> I have, I actually have, like, Erica can go, like, put it in the camera now. I have an Egon Spengler name tag <laughs> oh, on my backpack right she, now. She does. She I love that. Egon so much. God, yeah, I love okay. that his son is writing, who wrote the next movie. And they're yeah. like, we're just going to pretend, like, the girl version didn't happen. <laughs> it's uh, not canon. No. <laughs> 
It's uh, really it was, not, though. Yeah, it wasn't bad, but it's hard to live up to Ghostbusters. That's, really that movie is. has just stood the test of time. See, I saw it two weeks ago in theaters for the 35th anniversary. Oh, how cool. It was really fun. They had trivia in the beginning of it and everything. And oh, I was, like, crying. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. That, oh, so cool. So what do you want to jump into our spooky story since we have a bunch today? Sure. All right, y'all, and a word from our sponsors. You know what I've been trying to get into lately? Wine. The <laughs> problem is, is that I don't know anything about it. <laughs> Shocker. I've tried cabs and pinos, and I don't know what either one of those mean, but I can't really find anything like that at the store that I like. And then I tried Wink, and Wink has changed my life. It is a online wine club that gives you wine recommendations based on what you eat and drink. Things like chocolate. Your girl likes chocolate. So they have a simple six-question palette quiz that asks you questions like, how do you like your coffee? And do you like berries? Then matches you with wine that you're guaranteed to love because it is tailored to your unique tastes. Right now, Wink is offering listeners $22 off four bottles of wine. Hello. Plus complimentary shipping when you go to trywink.com slash historical AF. That's basically four bottles of wine for $40. Go to trywink.com slash historical AF. So take something off your to-do list. You know, let's just check it and just go to trywink.com slash historical AF to get $22 off four bottles of wine plus complimentary shipping. I'll keep saying it over and over because you need to check that <laughs> off. That's trywink.com slash historical AF. Let's do it. <laughs> wine. Uh, Wink. Go. Wink. And we're back. All right, Natalie, you want to go first with uh, just general history? Let's kick it off with history. Let me pull up my notes. <laughs> I was like, we could roll, but it's across the room, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm incapacitated at the moment. It's okay. So I thought it'd be cool to talk about different traditions around the world. I just thought it was interesting to find out what a couple other countries do, and one is in England, and Theirs is more actually like November 5th versus on at the end of October for us. And wow. it's an article from actually the History Channel. And it's like how it's titled. It's like how Guy Fox Day is celebrated in England. And it's basically trying to burn down Parliament. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, remember, remember the 5th of November. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, on November 5th, bonfires are lit throughout England. There's fireworks that set off. Although it falls around the same time and has similar traditions, this celebration has little to do with Halloween. The English, for the most part, stopped celebrating Halloween as Martin Luther's Protestant, so they kind of just separated it. Mm-hmm. So, Golf Fox Day festivities are designed to commemorate the execution of this English traitor, Guy Fox. And this was on 1606. Fox was executed after being convicted of attempting to blow up. England's Parliament building, Fox was a member of a Catholic group who wanted to remove the Protestant King James from power. The original Guy Fox was celebrated right after his execution. First bonfires were called bone fires. So that was kind of kind of interesting, kind of slightly spooky. So England will actually put on like a parade and walk as Guy Fox and they'll say penny for the guy <laughs> and They'll set little fires and stuff. So I'm like, I don't think I want to go to England during this time. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds quite dangerous. 
Isn't there like a really creepy Guy Fox mask? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to find the picture and post it when we release the episode. I just want to walk around everywhere just going penny for the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and set fires at the same time. That sounds like Why is that so funny to me? Just penny for the guy, please. <laughs> and also, that's like the worst name to have a guy. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're going to get some interesting responses. <laughs> and like maybe see some anatomy that you don't wish to see. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, hi, Dad. <laughs> that was not a great time to say that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> you know, podcast people that cannot see us. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, let's go to Ireland. <laughs> let's keep. Let's go back to say. Bring it back. <laughs> in Ireland, where Halloween originated, the day is still celebrated much as it is in the United States. Rural areas have bonfires as they were in the days of the Celts. And all over the country, children get dressed up in costumes and spend the evening trick-or-treating. After trick-or-treating, most people attend parties, just like what we do. They have snap apple, which is an apple hanging from the doorframe or somewhere up high, and the kids try to eat the apple. I know we have, like, donut games like that and everything. You see, like, all the donuts hanging, you can eat that. In addition to Bobby for Apples, parents often arrange treasure hunts with candy or pastries. That would be kind of cool. They also play card games where you will hide a coin or, or treat under a, a playing card. And if you pick the right card, you get to keep the treat. I think a cool traditional food is Barnback. It's their fruitcake, basically, that you can buy. And I just wonder if they like their fruitcake, their Halloween fruitcake. I like us who make fun of it and hardly anyone likes it anymore <laughs> and also does it last for 10 years as well oh. as our christmas fruitcake i don't know i'll have to find that out but not only is it a fruitcake but it's also kind of like our louisiana king cake Ooh, where yeah. something's inside it they will put little things inside it so if you buy this cake and depending on what's inside it that's supposed to determine your future i know it's kind of cool oh that's cool like, a piece of straw means prosperous year. If a ring is found, that means you'll be marrying soon. Things like that. And, of course, children play knock-a-dolly, which is basically knocking on doors and running away. But that's what they call it, knock-a-dolly. Oh, I like that. Me too. I don't really like the straw in the cake. It's wrapped up in, like, wax paper or something like that. Okay, that's better. Because I'm like, if it's just a piece of hay in there. I would probably definitely eat that on accident. I'm always weary when people like propose and they put rings in the food. Cause I'm oh, like, yeah. yeah. Just, that just is dangerous. That's just asking for trouble. In my hometown, they do a thing called carrot cake at this jewelry store, but they hide like diamonds and rubies and all kinds of shit in carrot cake cupcakes. And then what? if you find one, you get to keep it. But I'm like, how many people have eaten it? <laughs> like, I was going to say, if you eat it, you're definitely going to keep it. Yeah, I found like one gem one time and it was tiny. But you have to just smush it into like a paste so you don't accidentally eat it. Mm-hmm. It was just like a tiny little red gem. Yeah. That literally sounds like a choking hazard and a health hazard. And I'm wondering why, like, the government. Well, they're so small that I'm just assuming you'd, it wouldn't even bother you if you ate it. But. Wouldn't you be pissed if you ate a diamond and you didn't know it? (laughs) I would be extremely pissed because I don't want to sit here and like rifle through my shit to find a piece of diamond. I don't want to. And you have to pay for it too. You had to pay for the cupcake. Uh, yeah. 
Okay, but can we talk about when they put the ring in, like, a glass of champagne? And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's just, you're going to swallow it so much easier then. It's true. It's so scary. Yeah. And I think, also, if you happen to get it out, it's sticky and gross. I'm like, now I have to clean this thing? Yep. Yeah. 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 Extra work. This is not, it's not necessary. Don't even no. do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't, I don't need my ring in my food, please. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Ladies, gentlemen, everybody in between, do not put rings in food that's or drink. It's a health hazard, man. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I think we're going to leave it at that. So who's next? <laughs> that's awesome. Like, that's perfect. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> There's some random fun facts of Halloween. And don't put things in food. Anywho, next country. <laughs> Dias Muertes. We're going to talk about Ooh. that, how they celebrate. And this is this is the last one. So for them, it's a three-day uh, celebration. Families construct an altar to the dead in their homes to honor the deceased relatives and decorate with candies and flowers, photographs, and even samples of the deceased's favorite food and drinks, hopefully without rings. And (laughs) fresh water, of course. Often a wash basin and towel are left out so that the spirit can wash before indulging in the feast. Oh, that's thoughtful. Aw, nice. Candles and incense are burned to help the deceased find their way home. Relatives also tidy the grave sites on their departed family members. They also include snipping weeds and making little repairs, painting. The grave is then decorated with flowers, wreaths, paper streamers. And then on November 2nd, relatives gather in the grave sites to picnic and reminisce. And some gatherings even include tequila, of course, and a mariachi band. (laughs) And that is Dance Muertes. I'm so excited to be here for that this year. I want, I'm just so excited. Like they're already really gearing up for it everywhere. There's the decorations and the parades that they're doing. And then there's a lot of really cool graves around here and they're already just beautiful and decorated and they glow at night. So I'm really excited to see what oh, it that's looks like. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's cool. The one, that's the one thing that I love doing is just even just walking through graveyards. Mm-hmm. And where I used to live in Maine, there were so many beautiful graveyards that you can just walk through. And I don't really have that here. Yeah. It makes me sad. Everybody should come down here for Dia de los Muertos. I'm just like, let me into your culture. I need to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. Oh, man. All right. Do one of you want to go next? I'll go next. That's okay. fine. So I had, what, the random word of jack-o'-lantern? We started now letting our Patreon members pick the random words. So Jack Lantern came from Alita Reed, who just happens to be my mom. But this is her word. <laughs> <laughs> Throw that in. I love your mom so much. Oh, God. I know everybody talks. I listen to other podcasts and they're like, oh, my mom doesn't know what a podcast is. My mom, that's all <laughs> she does is like listen to podcasts all day. That's how she goes to sleep. She just puts one on and Aww. drifts to sleep with the sounds of murder. <laughs> totally normal. Nice. All right, so yeah, I got the word jack-o'-lantern. So I was going to do a little uh, history on jack-o'-lanterns. See, the story of the jack-o'-lantern comes in many forms and is similar to the story of the will-o'-wisp retold in different forms across Western Europe, including Italy, Norway, Spain, and Sweden. In Switzerland, children will leave bowls of milk or cream out for mythical house spirits called jack-o'-the-bowl. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there was an old Irish folktale from the mid-18th century, and it tells of a story called The Stingy Jack, a lazy yet shrewd blacksmith who uses a cross 
to trap Satan. Uh, one story says that Jack tricked Satan into climbing an apple tree, and once he was up there, Jack quickly placed a cross around the trunk or carved a cross in the bark so that Satan couldn't get down. There was another version of the story that says Jack was getting chased by some villagers from whom he had stolen. He then met Satan, who claimed it was time for him to die. However, the thief stalled his death by tempting Satan with a chance to bedevil the church-going villagers chasing him. Jack told Satan to turn into a coin with which he would pay for the stolen goods. Satan could take on any shape he wanted. Just FYI. Later, when the coin, i.e. Satan, disappeared, the Christian villagers would fight over who had stolen it. The devil agreed to this plan, so he turned himself into a silver coin and jumped into Jack's wallet, only to find himself next to a cross Jack had also picked up in the village. Jack had closed the wallet tight, and the cross stripped the devil of his powers, and so he was trapped. So, in both folktales, Jack actually lets Satan go, only after he agrees to never take his soul. Many years later, the thief died, as of all living things, and of course, Jack's life had been too sinful for him to go to heaven. However, Satan had promised not to take his soul, and so he was barred from hell as well. Jack now had nowhere to go, and he asked how he would see where to go as he had no light. And Satan mockingly tossed some burning coal to light his way. Jack then carved out one of his turnips, which was his favorite food, and put the coal inside and began endlessly wandering the earth for a resting place. He became known as Jack of the Lantern or Jack-o'-lantern. What? I did not yeah. know any of that. <laughs> yeah. I was researching this. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's actually really cool. And it's, That is a really cool story. It is. So let's see here. Cornish folklorist Dr. Thomas Quiller Couch recorded the use of the term in a rhyme used in Paul Perio Cornwall in conjunction with the Joan of the Wad. W-A-D, the Cornish version of Will-O-The-Wisp, the people of Polperro regarded them both as pixies and the rhyme goes, Jack Little Lantern, Joan the Wad, who tickled the maid and made her mad. Light me home, the weather is bad. Jack-o'-lanterns were also a way of protecting one's home against the undead. Superstitious people used them specifically to ward off because it was said that Jack-o'-lanterns light was a way of identifying vampires who, so once their identity was known, they would give up their hunt for you. So gourds were actually one of the earliest plant species that was farmed by humans almost 10,000 years ago. They were carved and used as lanterns by the Maori, M-A-O-R-I, they're an indigenous tribe from eastern Polynesia. And New Zealand over 700 years ago. So it's believed that the custom of making jack-o'-lanterns at Halloween began in Ireland, actually. So in the 19th century, turnips or mangle wurzels, that's how it's pronounced? Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, <laughs> they were hauled out to act as lanterns and often carved with grotesque faces. And they were used on Halloween in parts of Ireland and the Scottish Highlands. And so the tradition of carving out pumpkins and everything like that actually came from Irish immigrants. So here in America. So America began this because of Irish immigrants. Oh, cool. Yeah. So in these Gaelic speaking regions, Halloween was also the festival of Samhain and was seen as the time when supernatural beings and the souls of the dead walked the earth. So the reason they began this tradition was because the lanterns were said to represent either the spirits or supernatural beings or even used to ward off evil spirits. And sometimes people even use them to frighten people. So if you actually do a search of earlier jack-o'-lanterns with boards and everything, they look frightening, especially like with the turnip <laughs> ones. They mm -hmm. are terrifying looking. 
Like, if I were to see that thing in the dark, I'd punt it and be like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) So in the later years of North America, adaptations of Washington Irving's short story, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, that was written in 1820, often show the headless horseman with a pumpkin or jack-o'-lantern in place of its severed head. The application of the term to carved pumpkins in American English is first seen in 1834. The Carved Pumpkins Lanterns Association with Halloween is recorded in the 1st of November of 1866 edition of the Daily News in Kingston, Ontario. The old custom of keeping up Halloween was not forgotten last night by the youngsters of the city. They had their maskings and their merrymakings, and I'm not even going to try and read that word. (laughs) Words are hard. Words are hard. The streets after dark in a way which was no doubt amusing to themselves. There was great sacrifice of pumpkins from which to make transparent heads and face lighted up by the unfailing two inches of tallow candle. So that, again, was written by Daily News in 1866. Also, there was a writing by James Fenimore Cooper. You guys familiar with who that is? I know the name. Can't tell you who he is. He (laughs) is an author who I believe wrote Dancing with Wolves. Oh, Oh, okay. Oh, cool. He actually is a distant cousin of mine or a distant relative of mine jesus you're related to like all the cool shit (laughs) honestly (laughs) she's actually the one that sent us the listener story about that thomas neely house where you know no big deal two presidents have been and Mm -hmm. washington (laughs) sided across the delaware jesus that's like an epic mic drop with family (laughs) yeah my my family has a lot of historical background shit it's pretty cool (laughs) so james fenimore cooper wrote a novel titled The Jack-O-Lantern, or The Privateer, in 1842. The Jack-O-Lantern actually was the name of a ship, so he wrote a short story about that. Moving forward a little bit, in the United States, the carved pumpkin was first associated with the harvest season in general, long before it became the symbol of Halloween. In 1895, an article on Thanksgiving recommended a lit Jack-O-Lantern as part of the festivities, which is pretty cool. Yep, so to round this out, Coming to an end, here are some world records regarding pumpkin carvings. For a long time, Keene, New Hampshire held the world record for most jack-o'-lanterns carved and lit in one place. Their record was broken when the Life is Good Company teamed up with Camp Sunshine. It's a camp for children with life-threatening illnesses. They set the record on October 21st of 2006 with 30,128 pumpkins simultaneously lit on the Boston Common. Oh, my God. Yeah. So there was another city in Highwood, Illinois, who tried to break this record with 30,919 pumpkins lit. However, it's unofficial since they did not follow the Guinness regulations. Womp womp. Oh, <laughs> However, on October 19th of 2013, Keene, New Hampshire broke the Boston record again and reclaimed their top spot with 30,581 carved and lit pumpkins. They've since broken the record eight times since the original attempt. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a <laughs> lot yeah. of carving. That is a lot of carved pumpkins. I love carving pumpkins so much. It's like the one thing that I love doing around Halloween. I get the little like pumpkin carving kits and I just sit there and I'm like, ah, this is like the one thing that I'm good at. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fun. It's so much fun. So, yeah. And that was my thing on jack-o'-lanterns. Oh, Yay. So, that's so awesome. I learned a lot right now. <laughs> I really <laughs> I don't think I knew any of that. Uh-uh. Neither did I. <laughs> Man, that's so cool. 
I'll go next because my mom also picked the next story. So if you are on our Patreon and you're a brilliant AF and above, you get to pick a story and you get to pick one of our random words. So she wanted to do all the Halloween because she's a spooky bitch. So <laughs> my mom is obsessed with zombies. So that was her Ooh, story. Yes. She do zombies. Yes. My mom is so cute. She's got the slippers with the eyeball popped now. She loves zombies. She knows all things zombies. So. God, I love your mom so much. <laughs> She's so cool. <laughs> all right. So a lot of this came from the History Channel. Surprisingly, I know I shit on them constantly, but this was actually a really good article. And then I got... Aliens! <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and then the other half I got from MSU Anthropology Department. They wrote this really cool article. So zombies. Most of us know of them as portrayed as these undead, flesh-eating, decaying corpses. They have enjoyed a popularity surge in the recent years. You know, whether they're devouring prey in The Walking Dead or, you know, getting the groove on to Michael Jackson's thriller video. <laughs> She's doing <laughs> it. Can't see it, but it's it's on point. Uh, <laughs> zombies dominate pop culture. So are zombies real, though? What do you think? <laughs> I'm going to say yes, because we live in Florida and you give a homeless man some bath salts and he turns into a zombie. <laughs> Yeah, and then they shoot him like 50 times and he's still like, eating people's faces off. So I had forgotten about that. I'm yep. so glad you brought that up. <laughs> Yo. You give anyone some bath salts, they turn into a zombie real quick down here in Florida. Florida man at it again. <laughs> so, unlike many monsters that are mostly a product of superstition, religion, or fear, zombies are actually based in fact. And there are several verified cases of zombies that have been reported from the Haitian voodoo culture, which we talked about last week. Zombie traits. So a zombie, according to pop culture and some folklore, is usually either a reawakened corpse with a ravenous appetite or someone's been bitten by another zombie and infected with a zombie virus. Zombies are usually portrayed as strong but robotic beings with rotting flesh. Their only mission is to feed, you know, the whole brain. They typically don't have conversations, although some may grunt a little depending on which movie you're watching. I think <laughs> I think there's some where they talk. Some movie. Um, yeah, that romance zombie one. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't really talk much though. They just there's like one or two words here and there. I think the one I just watched, the Bill Murray one, they talked. Oh, Zombie Land. No, no, the next oh. one, the one that the dead don't die. What? Um, um, George Romero's Land of the Dead. I think it was. I don't know if they actually were talking, but it's when they started communicating between each other and then utilizing tools. And oh, they no. were and they were like learning. Yeah. No thanks. I don't want no smart thanks. zombies. <laughs> I want I dumb don't. ones that I can outrun and I can't outrun anything. Then yeah. here's another question then. What's scarier, fast zombies or slow shambling zombies? We talked about this a couple of episodes ago, and I was like, oh, World War Z zombies are too fast, terrifying. But then I remembered that I'm sick and they don't want me. So I might want those zombies because they're just going to pass me by. (laughs) They don't want my arthritis. So I might go with that one. But see, I think slow shambling zombies are in some ways more terrifying because no matter how far you run, no matter where you go, they're always going to show up and they'll just become a horde and surround you. And then that's it. Yeah, that's terrifying. I need the apocalypse to hold off for at least three weeks until I can walk again. That'd be great. (laughs) Universe, listen, out there. Uh, All right, so origins of zombies. The ancient Greeks may have been the first civilization terrorized by the fear of the undead. 
Archaeologists have unearthed many ancient graves, which contain skeletons pinned down by rocks and other heavy objects, apparently to prevent the dead bodies from reanimating. History shows that the idea dates back to the 8th century also. The word zombie is said to have come from the zom, zom, oh, zombie? It has an N in front of it, so I don't know if that's silent. The zombie? Oh. The zombie. The zombie, which in Congo means spirit of a dead person or zombie, used in the Louisiana Creole or Haitian Creole that represents a person who died who was brought back to life without speech or free will. Zombie folklore has been around for centuries in Haiti, possibly originating in the 17th century when West African slaves were brought into work for the Haiti's sugarcane plantations, which I went into last week, too. Brutal conditions left the slaves longing for freedom. According to some reports, the life or rather afterlife of a zombie represented the horrific plight of slavery. Mm. Way to go, Keena. Way to like bring us back down. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I can. So back to voodoo, which is a religion based in West Africa and practiced throughout Haiti, the Caribbean, Brazil and American South and other places with an African heritage. Many people who follow the voodoo religion today believe that zombies are myths, but some believe that zombies are people revived by a voodoo practitioner known as a bokor. I mentioned in the funeral episode that it's a real fear of family members during the funeral rites, because if a practitioner was to turn their, their loved one into a zombie, that their soul would not be able to be in the right place. Wow. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. Their funeral rites, they really long like a year and a day worth to ensure that their soul is safe so they have to ensure that the body doesn't become a zombie but mm. bokors have a tradition of using herbs shells fish and animal parts as well as some bones and other objects to create concoctions including zombie powders which contain tetrodotoxin a deadly neurotoxin found in pufferfish and some other marine species Used carefully as a sublethal doses, the tetrodotoxin combination may cause zombie-like symptoms such as difficulty walking, mental confusion, and respiratory problems. High doses of it can lead to paralysis and coma. This could be the cause of some people appearing to be dead and then buried alive and then later revived. Mm. Yeah. Well, I guess kind of like Romeo and Juliet slowed her heartbeat, made her look dead. She really wasn't. Yeah. Once they've been issued the zombie powder, which is that tetrodotoxin I talked about, the subjects being prepared for their descent to zombiedom would appear to die insofar that their heart rate would slow to a near stop, their breathing patterns would greatly subdued, and their body temperature would decrease, so they would look dead. The public, thinking that they were actually dead, would bury them and just assume they were a corpse. They would then be exhumed, still alive by the Bokor, and although they're physically remained intact, their memory would be erased and they'd be transformed into mindless drones. Though still living, they remain under the Bokor's power until the Bokor dies. So that's very... That actually kind of makes sense when you think about the allegory to slavery being controlled until you die. Like, there's no escaping. It's really sad. Thanks, Mom, for this topic. It's very depressing. (laughs) Some people even said that the Mayans were destroyed by zombies. So, you know, all these alien theories that keep throwing out. you. Here's a new one. Zombies. Reports of widespread cannibalism. There we go. At the end of the Maya civilization suggest something more sinister than simple drought or cross-tribal dispute. Bones found in and around Mayan cities show signs of being violently ripped from their sockets and chewed to bits on a few spots. Evidence has been found of children eating their parents and entire villages devouring themselves within a matter of days. What the fuck? Oh, my God. 
Again, that's in a matter of days. Oh, that's so gross. Yeah. Okay. Again, I, I'm I'm slightly skeptical because I haven't read this and a lot of other articles because everything's like, oh, aliens. But this came from We're a college website. Yeah, yeah. So if it's wrong, blame MSU, not me. it's also said that in syria evidence suggests that the stone age heads were originally buried with their bodies intact but then after several years they dug them up and their skulls were crushed and separated from the rest of the skeleton no one knows why face smashing and careful removal of the heads took place some say it could have been because the people of the area were trying to prevent the dead from coming back to life jesus so (gasps) wait they died and they're like okay so these guys are dead now so we're gonna smash in their faces so they don't come back to life is that yeah oh my god which, I mean, <laughs> a lot of civilizations put, like, cages and stuff in the 19th century. But I guess before then, you would just take the head I, off. I, oh. I mean, it's gruesome, but it seems pretty smart back it's in that efficient. time. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm walking dead here, but, like, why do you gotta go so far smashing their face in? Why can't you just, like, just get a nice pick up their nose or something and just scramble their brains a bit like the Egyptians? Like, I don't know. So, yeah. so give them, like, a lobotomy? Yes! Sure! <laughs> Get the dead in the lobotomy so they don't come back to life. Oh, Jesus. And then, fun fact, the act of putting gravestones on top of the grave actually came from this fear that they're going to come back to life. So those giant slabs of concrete over the mm. body uh, came from this idea that they're afraid they're going to come back. Oh, shit. <laughs> There's actually zombies reported in medical journals. So real life scientific. Florida. <laughs> Florida. <laughs> Are they all in Florida? Because... <laughs> Although it's rare, there are several instances that are credible reports in medical journals of people using these compounds to induce paralysis in people and then revive them from the grave. A 1997 article, that's relatively, we were all alive, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. got it. I was too. (laughs) I'm alive. I know, being born in the mid-80s, I just assume everybody was alive in the 90s, and I'm realizing, no, that's not the case. That's... (laughs) So, in this article called The Lancet, it described three verifiable accounts of zombies. In one case, a Haitian woman who appeared to be dead was buried in the family tomb. She reappeared three years later. Jesus, that's a long time. How does... Oh, man. An investigation... Yeah, three years. I thought it said days. I'm like, oh, that checks out. But years, hello. An investigation (laughs) revealed that her tomb was filled with stones and her parents agreed to admit her to the local hospital. In another yeah. well-documented case, a Haitian man named Clavarius Narcisse entered a local hospital with severe respiratory problems in 1962. After he slipped into a coma, Narcisse was declared dead and buried shortly thereafter. So 18 years later, a man walked up into this village claiming that that was him. Doctors, townspeople, and family members all identified him as Clavarius Narcisse, who claimed he had been buried alive and then dug up and then put on work in a distant sugar plantation. Oh, oh I heard about that. Oh, that's so sad. Hmm. Zombies and pop culture. We'll bring it back up. According to the Undead 18th Century by Linda Troost, zombies appeared in literature as far back as 1697 and were described as spirits or ghosts, not cannibalistic fiends. So, okay. if it, they're, why, why wouldn't they just be ghosts? Why do they go be zombies? You already got a word for that. Ghosts. They arrived on film around the same time as their monster peers, Frankenstein and Dracula, with the 1932 release of White Zombie. Hmm. <laughs> Not to be confused with the band. <laughs> <laughs> 
But it wasn't until 1968 that zombies acquired a cult following of their own with the release of Night of the Living Dead, directed by George Romero. Over the next 15 years, Romero directed two more zombie films, Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. A special effects technology improved with each film. The zombies appear more gruesome and more realistic. From the 1980s on, dozens of zombie films were made. Even Scooby-Doo battled zombies in the 1998 film Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Hot take, that's the best Scooby-Doo movie of all time. <laughs> Y'all, everyone can fight me. That's the best one. And they made a remake, and it's awful, and it makes no sense, and nobody mm-hmm. should watch the remake. <laughs> I agree with that. And the 2013 release of World War Z starring Brad Pitt brought zombie culture to a disturbing new level. Not surprisingly, yeah. television jumped on the zombie bandwagon with shows like iZombie and Helix. I actually really like iZombie. I haven't seen that one, but I'm a huge fan of Walking Dead. Like, uh, huge fan. Yeah, my mom's having a degree that I'm not caught up so she can talk about it. She's already, yeah. like, spoiled two deaths for me, so also oh. thank mom. I unfortunately am not caught up with the new season that just came out, so but I have to I have to watch it. Got halfway through season two of iZombie. It's pretty good. I had to wait for everything to just go on Netflix. Uh, this is an sentence, but no zombie is terrified more than The Walking Dead. Each show features a post-apocalyptic zombies feeding on people and left fans horrified yet unable to look away. Now I need to know what's everybody's favorite zombie movie? Oh God. <laughs> or TV I show. Love, I mean, Walking Dead is definitely my favorite TV show, and I really love Zombieland. Oh, me too. Zombieland is fantastic. But I really like Walking Dead because it's not just about zombies, but it's how society reacts mm-hmm. to apocalyptic type situations and how they're able to come together and how there's like, and just how people change. And I, I just love the social aspect of mm-hmm. that. So. With zombies involved, it's 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 amazing, and I love it. And Probably this, the most it, realistic of what apocalypse will probably be. Like. It really Terrifying. is. It really yeah. is. I mean, it just goes to show how you know when there's no law or anything or government or anything that kind of like um uh, like a purge night type of deal, like the ones that yeah. really want to go out and do the bad things, they'll actually be able <laughs> to have that ability to go do it without any consequences. So, and you get to kill zombies at the same time. I mean. Yeah, it's crazy. Not going to lie. Every time I go in the Air Force base, I'm thinking this would be a good time for the apocalypse to start because I'm already safe. (laughs) 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 This should happen right now because I'll be good. (laughs) How about you, Nicole? What's your favorite? I'm going to say Warm Bodies because I like a cheesy, romantic, happy ending. And spoiler alert, everybody gets cured of their zombie (laughs) disease. So I'm like, that's a cool, that's a cool idea. It I think that's really cool. Bad. That was a disease. Yeah. 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 Oh, 28 Days Later. Never oh. seen it. Oh, that yeah. is, that's a good one. Oh my gosh, Nicole, you had to see it. Terrifying. I <laughs> I'm scared. Love I love it. <laughs> the virus thing scares me. Like I saw the other day, they're like, a scientist invented a bacteria to eat plastic in the ocean. I'm like, inventing bacteria is how you get zombies. I don't. That part. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> And I think that's what's most terrifying when it comes to the whole zombie thing. It's like, okay, well, maybe not the dead actually physically coming back to life, but more of something like 28 Days Later, where it's an actual, like, virus. Mm-hmm. Of yeah, kind of like uh, Resident Evil's a virus like that, too, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you, Natalie? What's your favorite? I do love World War Z. That's I think good. that one's really good. 
And just it's like an interesting twist, just like warm bodies, it can be cured. And that one, they don't go after the sick and everything. Just interesting. Mm-hmm. And I like how they showed how it spread in the beginning, too. Um, yeah, like how fast, too. That was. Of oh, course, when, is I Am Legend technically a, isn't that what it's called with the Will Smith? I couldn't get past the dog part. I was oh, like, the only part I couldn't stand is the dog. That pissed me off so much. <laughs> I, we were watching it at the library. The teens were like, Miss Keena, let's watch this. And I got to the dog part. And I'm like, why would you make me watch this? Why didn't you warn me? And they thought it was hilarious because I was like oh. almost crying. I was like, I can't. I can't that part killed me. Oh. That part because my parents had a German Shepherd, so I'm just like, oh my god, that looks like Sandra. I'm dead. I know. I'm still traumatized. I can, I can watch murder all day on movies, but you kill a dog, I'm just destroyed. I can't yep. do it. Anyway, zombies in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's making like a good transition. <laughs> so the modern day like carnivorous zombie is not in the Bible, but there are many many references to bodies being reanimated and resurrected, which may have inspired some zombie myths throughout history. Look at Ezekiel. <laughs> Describes a vision where Ezekiel is dropped in a boneyard and prophesizes to the bones. The bones start to shake and become covered with muscle and flesh until they're reanimated. But yet there was no breath in them. That's awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the book of Isaiah states, and this is a quote, Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body. Shall they rise awake and sing? Ye that dwell in dust for thy dew is as dew of herbs and the earth shall cast out the dead. Was that English? I mean, it's Bible no. English. <laughs> it was pig Latin for all I know. That was a lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot of thighs and E's and good old Bible talk. I'm an ordained minister now, so I, I can read the Bible. No, I can't. <laughs> Are you going to speak in tongues? Also, passages bound in both the Old and New Testaments about the resurrection of saints and sinners in the end times. This may also be one reason so many zombie stories are associated with the apocalypse. Hmm. And then, that. you know. And then, you know, Jesus, <laughs> he came back. So. Oh, that I totally forgot about. <laughs> Easter memes that are like Easter, like happy zombie day, Jesus. Happy zombie Jesus day. <laughs> yeah. So the fascination with zombies. So why does the modern world have such a love affair with zombies? History may be to blame. According to Stanford literary scholar Angela Becerra Vitiger. Jesus, that's a. That's a mouthful of a name. Anyway, she tells Stanford News that she believes mankind's perception of violence took a drastic turn after the bombings at Hiroshima and Nagasaki during World War II. She feels such large-scale disasters cause people to fictionalize their deaths on a mass scale and focus on survival of the fittest, a common theme among zombie narratives. I thought that was a really interesting take on it. So, yay, psychology. This is one of my favorite things. So, the Center for Disease Control, the CDC... Uh, took advantage of the zombie mania and created a zombie preparedness website that motivates people to prepare prepare for disasters and offer tips, but they write it out as the zombie apocalypse is happening. So it's really fun. It was a huge hit. It's a lot easier to teach to kids, too, because, you know, they watch zombie movies. So I even use that at the library. We would do the disaster preparedness stuff, but we do the zombie survival I'm on the site right now. It's actually, it is hilarious. (laughs) Whoever made that website, high five. Because they went into some really great detail. I love how. They actually did a high five. (laughs) (laughs) I forget you guys can see me. So whether you're a fan of zombies or the thought of running into one causes you to sleep with one eye open, they're part of modern pop culture. Although the zombie myth has basis in fact, 
Today, zombies have taken on a life of their own. So the historic zombie is not the zombie we know today, but it has been around for pretty much ever. So I thought that was really cool. That's awesome. All right, Nicole, you want to go next? Yeah, I'll go next. Um, So my topic is weird, right? Yeah. Okay. So, Erica, I'm going to throw you a curveball. I told Erica I was going to do one topic. Just kidding. I'm doing a different one. Oh, <laughs> shit. Okay. Literally. Okay. So, my topic is weird, and I'm going to do some weird Halloween facts. I have a few here. Hopefully, you guys don't know any of them, and I will enlighten you. Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> if, if not, we'll have a fun discussion. So some people may already think that Halloween is a pretty bizarre holiday because, like, what other celebration can inspire a sexy Olaf costume? (laughs) (laughs) That is a fair point. (laughs) There's too many sexy, weird costumes that should not be sexy for many reasons. But here we are. Yes, I agree with that. (laughs) The first fact, originally, you had to dance for your treat when you go trick-or-treating. Oh, oh, I want to make people do that. <laughs> yes. So it was, it's so funny. It was a European practice in which like the costume wearing people would go door to door performing choreographed dances, songs, and plays <laughs> in exchange for treats. Okay. Oh now if it's planned out, I wouldn't mind. It's like Halloween carolers. That's what it sounds mm-hmm. like. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds amazing. They would do that. And it was mostly only men. It was men. <laughs> Is there, like, any magic mics happening? <laughs> no, it, it was a lot of, more not not homeless, but, like, poor people doing all these skits and stuff, going door to door, and they would well, beg for sense. coins. Yeah, and they would beg for coins instead of mm. treats. But then what ended up happening was that a lot of the rich children would join in on the fun, so then... It kind of changed from the begging and or and then turned into a way to like distract kids from pulling Halloween pranks. So then we brought out the treats, and then instead of just doing the skits and stuff, they just go door to door. Okay. So that's the first fact. I kind of wish people still danced for candy. Me too. Too. (laughs) And then Keisha's saying like she's gonna make her trick or treaters do it. Like that sounds so creepy. Like dance for me. Like. Listen. You want this candy bar? You gotta dance. Don't mm-hmm. threaten me with a good time. I will make a sign. <laughs> you want Must candy? Dance. Work for it. <laughs> oh my god, that can be problematic, but probably <laughs> must dance for candy. Play the magic mic songs. <laughs> so our second fact is that Halloween is more Irish than St. Patrick's Day. So Halloween's origins came from a Celtic festival for the dead called, excuse me if I pronounce it wrong, maybe Erica can, Samhain. Does that yeah, seem I think it was current? Samhain, yeah, because I think uh, that's what I mentioned in mine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the Celts believe yep. the ghost of the dead ro- roamed Earth on this holiday so people would dress in the costumes and leave treats out on their front doors to appease the roaming spirit. So that's a fun one. Number okay. three, like additional with the Samhain parades and everything. People, instead of the costumes, they would wear, like, dead animal skins and heads. Oh, in no. Order to, yeah, to connect to spirits of the dead. So the That's... leader of the Samhain parades wore a white sheet and carried a wooden horse head or a decorated horse skull and just walked around with that, basically. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> I don't like that. Also, no. like, how does that make you go closer to the spirits? Like, how does that... Maybe with, like, a sacrifice, but that that just seems weird. <laughs> it's brought the norm over here in this podcast. Like, yeah. sacrifice, let's get 
Keep going. Another little fact, Erica did say it in her jack-o'-lantern. So the jack-o'-lanterns were once made out of turnips, beets, and potatoes. Ooh, potatoes. Of course, potatoes. <laughs> of course, the potatoes. Most Irish thing ever. <laughs> yep. This one's probably my favorite fact with it. Halloween used to be a great day to find your soulmate. Aww. That would be mine since Halloween's my favorite time of the year. Honestly. And and back to the whole Irish thing, in some parts of Ireland, people celebrated Halloween by playing romantic fortune-telling games, and these games allegedly predicted who they married and when. Oh, that's so sweet. Like, can you just imagine? So, like, since Halloween, like, Valentine's Day was one of the main celebrations of the year where young people could mingle with the opposite sex. It was also considered a good day to scope out a sweetheart. Speaking of fortune-telling, a little shout-out. Cheers from the Grave, if you're a Patreon member, Nicole will do a tarot reading for you. Yes, I have my cards with me today, actually, too. (laughs) (laughs) You guys should uh, listen and join over there. Yes, please. Alrighty, so fact number six. This one is probably the funniest one to me. In a few American towns, Halloween was originally referred to as Cabbage Night. (laughs) What? Oh, do tell. Cabbage (laughs) Night. I need to know about this. Yes. So this came from a Scottish fortune-telling game where girls used cabbage stumps to predict information about their future husbands. Oh, my God. <laughs> How? I I have many questions. <laughs> so do I. Unfortunately, like, <laughs> I did try finding more to cabbage night. There's so many things. I don't even know. But another thing that does go with cabbage in Halloween I do know in early Framingham, Massachusetts, teens skipped the fortune telling and simply went around throwing cabbage at their neighbors' houses. So <laughs> then that became, yeah, throwing the cabbage, they would throw rotten vegetables. So that's kind of where that practice did come in, like in the late 19th century. Well, kind of a dick move. But was that on Halloween or the night before Halloween, like mischief night or something? Oh, maybe it was the day before. I think yeah. it was the day before because I, I know... remember being like six and my mom's like, we're not going outside. There's kids throwing eggs everywhere. And I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Mischief night is the day before. Cause I remember when I was growing up, we had to bring, uh, we brought our pumpkins inside mm-hmm. on mischief night because kids would go around and mash pumpkins on mischief night oh, and wow. throw toilet paper and everything. Yeah. So I don't think we had mischief night where I grew up. Although I didn't really have neighbors either, so <laughs> my town had 416 people in it. So oh, wow! Yeah, I, when I say I'm a hillbilly, I mean I'm a legit hillbilly. But yeah, <laughs> we, I didn't even have anybody to trick or treat at. I'd have to go to like 30, oh. 45 minutes to my grandma's. Aww, where there was actually people. Alrighty, my last fact here, and it's not—I mean, it's a fact, well-known fact. Studies have shown that Halloween actually makes kids act more evil oh yeah so and there is some science behind that so normally when you put the costume wearing kids into groups and introducing a clear object of desire such as candy has been shown to lead to bear with me here deindividuation so that's that's kind of yeah it is it's the immersion in a group to the point that one loses a sense of self-awareness and feels lessened responsibility for one's actions. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that is like the psychological term and explains what happens when a group of maturing young minds begin to care less about the consequences. 
So they do things that may not be the right thing because they're in a big group. So they don't have to worry about it. Yeah, they like feed off of each other. Yep. Yep. Like stealing the shit from my lawn. (laughs) (laughs) Little fuckers stealing my tombstones. No. Yeah, I had... I had this little fucker once steal, like, one of my little zombie heads that was coming up from the ground. We know who it was, so I called his mom, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and his mom drove the kid back with the with the thing. No, I <laughs> I'm seriously going to be that old woman, like, on the doorstep of my house with, like, a shotgun being like, get out of my lawn! That part, no, I have I have too much empathy. Like I'll start, like I'll start thinking about like playing a prank on somebody, and I'm like, no, I can't do that. That's destruction of property. <laughs> and then I go through the whole list in my head. I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna get arrested. My mom's gonna be pissed. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I do that. I have like these great ideas. I'm like, oh, that'd be hilarious. Yeah, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna even go there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one study with the. The whole kids turn evil during Halloween. They found that the kids were most likely to steal candy and money when they were in costume and unsupervised than both non-costume kids and children not in a group. So like with their parents. And another similar study found that mass children were significantly more likely to take more Halloween candy if they did believe like there is no chance that an adult would catch them. Oh, yeah. And I think we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You walk up to a house that has the bowl outside that says take one. It's like, you know, that's not going to happen. Some kid's yeah. going to be like, take the bowl and just dump the entire thing oh, in their yeah. freaking bag. <laughs> I think somebody probably did that test on me because I was with a group of friends when we were teenagers and they had the candy bowl take one. So everybody was taking a crazy amount, obviously. And we're just like, no, 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 we have to leave some. But then I turned around and there's a group of adults kind of like across the street chilling just like watching all the kids and I'm like they probably live here and like we felt so bad we started putting the candy back (laughs) so it's true I think it is a legit a legit thing that happens okay I take it back I want to do that I want to set up a bowl and then put out a lawn chair and just watch (laughs) get a beer across the street yes you know what I would do I would just like I would get the ring doorbell and I would just put it right in front of it. And I would just sit there and watch it on my phone. And as soon as you see a kid start to take more than one, be like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, not, great. Do you not know how to read? Oh, my God. I like, oh, didn't know how to read, though. <laughs> oh, no, shit. <laughs> I mean, we're from Florida, so that's pretty. That's probably true. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> so oh, that's my- pretty much it on my weird Halloween facts. I think they're pretty fun. (laughs) That's amazing. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) All right, Nat, you want to go? Yep. Oh, we're going again? Yeah, we have two more. (laughs) Oh, my God, I stand. So I thought it'd be cool to do past pranks of Halloween. Ooh, I love it. Yeah. Now with all this talk of mischief, you know, Mm. actually segues perfectly. So wacky pranks with wagons was actually a big deal back Back in the day. (laughs) So back in the late 19th century, All Hallows' Eve had become all across the country. So now Halloween is just everywhere. A night for playing tricks on neighbors. This was a breach of the social contract because as these were people settling into the West, they're migrating and everything. So they really depended on their neighbors to support them or 
whatever. Like, that's the only people you can trust and probably the only people you know because everyone's so spread out. Well, this one night, that trust is betrayed. Oh, no. Because one of the favorite capers was to borrow someone's wagon and send it driverless down a hill or maybe Mm. place it in a random spot go missing so here's a few samples of those wacky crazy wagon pranks in 1888 sneaky students at beloit academy a prep school in beloit wisconsin so in this one news report on november 10th a wagon loaded with wood was carried to the top of the college building and fastened there oh my god I know, oh, like, like on top of this building, a wagon. That seems like a what? lot of uh, physical With exertion. <laughs> I know, I just wonder how many people it takes to do these things. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, I'm like, not enough for me. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's uh, well, let's watch a movie or something. Let's go, <laughs> go eat some corn. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Halloween in Newton, Kansas in 1892 was a night of malarkey and mayhem. On the steps of the first board schoolhouse observed the local Daily Republican on November 1st was a delivery wagon. And on the roof of Fox Winnie's Lumberyard was a spring wagon. The latter buggy belonged to the local carriage company. So, again, another wagon on a roof. How do people get put wagons on roofs? I don't understand that. I know, right? Very, very carefully. (laughs) (laughs) Aliens. (laughs) Zombies. Zombies are aliens. The zombies did it. In 1893, there was a prank that was discovered by one of the brakemen before the train had gone far and the wagon was sidetracked. So someone had tied an old wagon to a freight train and oh, that night. And so the next morning when the train started hauling out, they made it a few miles out of town. And I guess they see this wagon tipsy-topsy <laughs> turbing past them. And they're like, oh, shit, and just stopped. Oh, wow. <laughs> and... In 2000, so we're jumping way, way, way to now. In October 2000, Champaign, Illinois, Tom Karich recalled a story from the 1890s. So this is still, you know, super old story. But 1890s, when a bunch of rapscillians, is what they said, dismantled a wagon (laughs) piece by piece and carried the parts up a stairway to an old school and rebuilt it in a room on a third floor. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's funny when people joke about that, doing that with a car or something. Yeah. And I'm like, well, just so you know, that thought is not new. <laughs> In the 1890s, people were building wagons inside of rooms. The last story is pretty neat. It's kind of like a faith in humanity kind of joke prank. Um, there was a man who was going to be delivering 50 bags of wheat the next day. And he had the... Wagon all prepped and loaded. And he wakes up with his wife at 3 a.m. And has breakfast. And when he goes outside, the wagon is gone. Oh, no. And he spends all night, all hours looking for his wagon. It's completely gone. And all the wheat is gone. And he's like, fuck. Because that's how he lives. Yeah. And so here goes all this wheat in the wagons and they're all gone. And when a neighbor rolls up. The next morning, literally rolling up because it's wagons. <laughs> and he said, don't you know the wheat has has gone up? You didn't look high enough. And when he looks up. It's on the roof. It is on the roof of the barn. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. No. 
with Why? all the bags of wheat and everything and even like a bucket like it looks exactly like how you would see it prepped and ready but on the wagon oh, and wow. it took several men and people to get that prank done it took hours all through the night <laughs> pull this prank off like that is some serious dedication i don't think i've well, been that dedicated to anything yeah i don't know <laughs> i know even college no right <laughs> <laughs> luckily the guy josie is his last name josie took it all in like oh yeah you got me haha and then it turned out to be a village thing where everyone nearby came to help them take it down and then they actually had like a big feast that night a big party and so like all was well he's like all right funny and it turned out to be a really cool celebration it's like okay well we're all here let's all hang out and so the next day he actually went to philadelphia to sell his wheat and it's true the wheat actually went up so he got 15 cents more a bushel out of those 50 pounds so as practical jokes were this one actually ended up pretty good Aww, still <laughs> that's good. so that's what people back then they stole your wagon <laughs> <laughs> i love it that's awesome <laughs> oh it just seems like a lot of work though yeah this is no a lot of a lot of cardio involved with that prank yeah. i do not know now people just ride on your car with like soap or no. something <laughs> yeah it's true all right. Well, my last story is morbid, and we're gonna talk about clowns. <laughs> Got oh Lord! I know that's why we're doing it. Everybody hates. I am a clown. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys seen It Chapter Two? No, I have not. Okay, so I, I can't. Want you <laughs> I can't say what I'm thinking right now. You guys have to go watch it. <laughs> but I really wanted to be a clown for Halloween just because of who I am as a person. But <laughs> with now all these movies, so like Harley Quinn, Joker, and It, I can't do it because everyone's going to be a clown. That's so maybe next yeah. year. Uh-huh. That was the first that thing is. that went through my head. I just want to be a clown. Terrifying uh, clown. All right. So yeah. a lot of my sources, I, I pulled a lot of this from CNN, Britannica, Psychology Today, and Mental Floss. So before clowns were the floppy shoes and they threw pies at people, there was early versions of these performers that could be found in royal courts. These gestures and other persons of ridicule go back to ancient Egypt. What? The court gesture wasn't evil, but he was the only person in the whole kingdom that could poke fun at the monarch without the fear of literally losing their head. So that's kind of cool. That'd be, that'd be the job you want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the fact that fools didn't fall within the normal social hierarchy may have contributed to the future role of clowns as untrustworthy outsiders so kind of an early psychology thing like they didn't belong with everybody else from the medieval era clowns evolved into harlequins of the 16th century italian theater again these weren't bloodthirsty monsters but they weren't exactly kid friendly either the characters were often mischievous and morally bankrupt it's like oh jesus (laughs) and their strange costumes and masks only added to the creepy vibes they gave off so the English word for clown actually first appeared in the 1500s when Shakespeare used it to describe the foolish characters in several of his plays. Fast forward to the 19th century when the white-faced clowns at the circus we know today started gaining popularity. Unlike the gestures and harlequins that came before them, these clowns performed primarily for children and they maintained a wholesome image. But as the pop culture in the 70s, 80s, and 90s showed us the old perception we had of clowns... <laughs> kind of went away and they turned into like psycho killer clowns so then we had stephen king's it there was the killer clowns from outer space there was yes. that 
that one scene from Poltergeist. Goodbye. <laughs> I know, right? I hate like that. A zombie clown in Zombieland. There was a murderous <laughs> clown in All Hallows Eve. And then recently, got American Horror Story had that murder serial killer clown. Oh, and that was yeah. fucked up. And then you also have like Joker and stuff, which I saw Joker yesterday. And all I can say is if you're an empath, just it's rough because it's not a superhero movie. It's not Batman. It's not any of that. It's just basically like he's mentally ill and just desperate for one person to be kind to him. And nobody is. And then he goes off his meds and just like snaps. But oh, just every, it's oh, it's so yeah. hard to watch. Empaths beware. I was drained yesterday. I was just like, yeah, it was terrible. All right. So on that happy note, I'll combine these original fears with some more modern association with clowns with children. Gave us a formula that makes clowns one of the most frightening figures in media today. I will add that the trope of evil clowns didn't wasn't new. Last year, there was a person named Benjamin Radford who wrote a book called Bad Clowns, which I won't. I want to read now. And he traces it as a historical evolution of clowns because they're unpredictable and menacing. So the fear of clowns is called cholerophobia, which is a lot easier to say than whatever the fuck Eric tried to say. Oh, um, yeah. With the six six. (laughs) Yeah. It was like 20 syllables. And this irrational fear of clowns can actually cause panic, nausea, and I assume trauma and therapy visits if you're forced to watch it or if you come face to face with those creepy ass clowns that were popping out of the woods in places a while back. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I'm Yo, sure. Kyle's mom has a massive fear of clowns. Like she legit, when she sees the clowns, she legit blacks out. Yeah. It's yeah. like that, that fight or flight. And then you're just like, I'm just going to black out instead. And you're done. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, she, yeah. she has a massive, massive fear. There was actually one time. Kyle and I were driving the Halloween Horror Nights, and as we got off the turnpike onto I-4 and we're about to get off onto the Universal the Exit, right? no, 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 no. So there was a car that was next to us that looked like it wanted to merge into the lane that I, like that we were in, and it didn't want to do that. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go ahead and go past you. So that same car went behind us. As I looked in the rearview mirror, guess who was driving the car? A fucking clown. Oh, a no. fucking clown. So was That's driving just like the car in full getup. Symbolism for Floridian drivers. <laughs> I seriously was just like, I saw the clown and I shit you not. I looked to Kyle and I was like, if your mom saw this, we literally would have died. And, and that's so like we, such a random place to see a clown. Right? On the fucking highway? Like, don't prepare for that. It, there's no, no, there's no way. And I'm just sitting here like, I am so glad Sharon wasn't with us. We literally would have died. <laughs> this actually fits in. In 2016, there was a poll and it found that most Americans are more afraid of clowns than they are of terrorist attacks or even dying. So wow. there's a lot of people that were on that road that statistically would have been just as <laughs> fucking terrifying. So psychology oh. actually is trying to explain why people are terrified of clowns, which I find really interesting rami nader is a canadian psychologist who studies you know the fear of clowns and he believes that clown phobias are fueled by the fact that clowns wear makeup and disguises and hide their true identities and feelings Hmm. this is perfectly consistent with his hypothesis that it is an inherent ambiguity surrounding the clowns that make them creepy they seem to be happy but are they really and they're mischievous which puts people on guard so you never know like are they gonna Hit you with a pie, or are they gonna squirt you with water? You don't know. You just, you're or are they just gonna stab you to death? I mean, who <laughs> That's knows? true. 
Yeah, people who are interacting with clowns who are one of their routines never know what's about to happen. The highly unusual physical characteristics of a clown, so the wig, big nose, makeup, odd clothing, only magnify the uncertainty of what the clown is going to do next. So there you go. Is he going to hit me with a pie? Is he going to murder me? There's no way to know. So it's like, (laughs) you just These psychological discomforts produce a fear that is then stoked by negative portrayals of clowns in popular culture. According to some, in the 1970s, American serial killer John Wayne Gacy, a.k.a. Pogo the Clown, a.k.a. my dad's neighbor, solidified the idea of the clown. It's true. And the trope became a common in horror movies and books afterwards. So I've mentioned it before, but my dad did live next to John Wayne Gacy growing up. He was on the same street. And uh, I've been talking about this and I was mentioning it to my sister the other day. And I was like, yeah, you know, dad always talked about how you would see him. He'd be out in the yard with his friends and he would drive by in his clown costume and slow down as he went by. And I was like, I wonder why dad never got murdered. And she's like, Kina, he would have been old by then. And I was like, what? So we did the math. And my dad would have been 18. So he was not in like peak kidnap murder situation. Well, no, that was like, wasn't that like the normal age of the people he would get? Like the young, like the I younger think guys? I more like 14, 15. Although my dad looked super young at that point. So I don't know. But he said that him and his friends would be on his front yard and he would see him and, as the clown slow down. Well, it might have been too close to home. Like, Well, he was hiring people on that street to do construction work with them, and then that's when he was killing them. So yeah. It, it was weird. I don't know. When my grandmother got cancer, we all went up to Chicago to clean out her house, and my mom said at that point it was just an empty lot, and it was grown up, and it was creepy as fuck. But apparently somebody yeah. bought it and built a house on it, and that house is now for sale. So no, you want you. ghosts. So that's how you're oh. going to get ghosts. Yo, someone uh, posted that where they were like, the lot's for sale, hard pass, like, fuck that shit. Like, and they're like, but it's a different house. It's a new house. I'm like, I don't care if it's a new house. The land itself is like cursed, okay? There were dead bodies buried in that lawn, so no. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been in the late 80s when my mom was there with me because I was born in 84. So it was still an empty lot then. So I don't know when they built the house, but I'm sure they got it for cheap as fuck because nobody wanted anything to do with that land. Oh, yes, Jesus. too soon. Too soon. Maybe too in a hundred years it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. No, still. Hard pass. I don't care how much time is. No, hard pass. Like, no, but it's so weird because I also talked about my mom was left alone with a serial killer as a kid, too. So I'm like, how am I here? I don't understand. Okay, wait a second. Explain that one. Uh, my people ran a television repair business and the serial killer, Mark Allen Smith, started working for him. He was an ex-army person. So my grandpa would leave my mom and all her siblings at the repair shop when he went on house calls. And so she was alone with this guy all the time. And then I went into it in one of the extra episodes, but real quick, uh, a lady came in to fix her radio in her car and he's like, I'll pull it to the back. I'll let you in. And then he brutally raped and murdered her and left her in the car at the square, the town I grew up in. And oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Nicole but- was just like shocked. <laughs> I'm oh, bringing this back down, Keena. God damn it. I know. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, my mom was alone with this guy. And then my dad lived by John Wayne Gacy. I don't know. I was meant to be here. So you're yeah. welcome, world. <laughs> so That's anyway, crazy. back to uh, this killer clown. John Wayne Gacy, the original killer clown, tortured and sexually assaulted 33 boys and men between the 1972 and 1978. He had an early history of sexually assaulting teenagers that began in 1967. He would invite them over to show them pornography and then ask them to take part of experiments with him before plying them with booze and then tricking them into doing sexual acts. He was actually charged 
with oral sodomy as well as an attempted assault on a 16-year-old boy. Despite initially claiming he was innocent, he later pleaded guilty and was handed a 10-year sentence, although he was released on parole 18 months later. And that's when things escalated. Which Good behavior. Oh, my God. I know. That's what really sucks. If you're a psychopath, yeah, you can fake it because you're a psychopath. Yeah. Like, you don't have empathy. You have nothing. You can pretend like, and these people get out. I just, yeah, everyone it blows. loved him. Yeah, he was, oh, oh, God. Anyway, so he began picking up young boys and teens, taking them to his home where he would torture and kill them. He would later promise youngsters paid work for his paintings or getting them jobs as a contractor where he worked just to get them to come to his house. To the outside world, however, Gacy played the model citizen. He was an active community volunteer. He hosted parties with his neighbors. He worked as a painter. He was a decorator. And he was involved with the Jolly Joker Clown Club, where he dressed up as Pogo. And he also painted clowns. But like all the other Jolly Jokers, he would perform at fundraising events and take part at parades. And then he would visit sick children in a hospital. So this motherfucker is killing kids and then going to children's hospitals dressed up as a clown. That's fucked up. It's so scary. That is completely fucked up. So he had this upstanding member of the community, which if anybody calls somebody that, just assume they're a serial killer at this point. Because like every story is like, they were just the best person in the community. So I'm they just were gonna... a staple of the community. No, yeah. that means the murders. Yes, Jesus. absolutely. 1978, the police began investigating him over the disappearance of 15-year-old Robert Jerome Peace who had been murdered after he invited him over to talk about a well-paying job as a contractor. And it was around that time that authorities figured out that he had killed 33 people. He buried most of them in a crawl space, suburban Chicago home. And then, Oh Jesus. uh, But I'd always thought that they were all in the crawl space, but apparently they weren't only 26 victims were buried under the house. Three were buried around the house and then four were dumped in the river. So I did not know that. So it's really sad. People like him, there's no way to know if he killed more people. These are just who he admitted to. So there's the possibility there's more people he never said. They were all committed in his house where he killed the majority of them by asphyxiation and strangulation. Gacy's last lawyer, Karen Conti, actually just recently wrote a book on this. She said he was the type of person that would rape and kill a person, then eat a ham sandwich with the body. I found that sentence just fucked. Wait, what? She's just saying, like, he would rape and murder somebody, sit down, and then just eat lunch, a sandwich, right next to the body without even a second thought. Like, just completely. That is. Psychopath. That is. Did he wash his hands? Thing. God, there's no way to know. Oh! <laughs> I hope he did. He spent 14 years on death row where he took up painting, and he actually sold some of it for thousands of dollars. So uh-huh. fuck off anybody that's giving serial killers money. No, don't do that. Yeah, People would buy them. That's don't. Up. Friggin'. Zach Bagel, whatever. Zach Bagel. He has some, and I'm just like, God, don't encourage the shit. Anyway, he said that he wanted his artwork to bring joy into people's lives, which is the most fucking ridiculous shit I've ever heard in my life. No, go the fuck away. That's not he okay. also claimed that clowns could get away with murder, but then he was convicted in 1980, and he was executed at the Stateville Penitentiary in Illinois by lethal injection just after midnight on May 10th, 1994. Having been a KFC manager in his life, he requested his last meal to be a bucket of fast food chicken and a pound of strawberries. Oh, Jesus. And his last like words. Yes, yeah, I was going to ask, what was his last words? Kiss my ass. <laughs> Jesus. 
Oh, God. And I did in college meet the FBI profiler that worked with Gacy. And he said that Gacy asked him to come to his execution. And he was like, fuck, no, I'm not. I've seen enough death. You've done enough shit. I don't need your whatever. And he said at the exact moment at midnight when he died, he felt like something was pushing down on him and pinning him to the bed. And then he said after a minute was up, he was fine. He was like a son of a bitch visited me on his way to hell. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, he was a cool dude. Anyway, so following Gacy, Hollywood just exploded with the evil clown trope. Mm -hmm. Now that we know that we're terrified of clowns, I present you those clowns that are popping out of trees that I mentioned before. So in 2016, creepy clowns terrorized America. There were sightings of actual clowns in at least 10 states. These clowns reportedly tried to lure women and children into the woods. They chased people with knives and machetes and yelled at people from their cars. They were spotted hanging out in cemeteries and were caught in the headlights of cars as they appeared alongside desolate country roads in the dead of night, which, fuck that. If you're on a dark road with no lights and you just see a fucking clown step out in the road. I'd run that shit over. Yeah, I was about he's to getting say. run over. Like, he's you getting run, that run over. over. Yeah, no, no. Pedal to the metal. Be like, nope, fuck this. You're dead. <laughs> he saw the car coming. That's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, something similar happened in the Boston area in the 1980s. Lauren Coleman, a cryptozoologist who studies mythical beasts like Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster. I just wanted to add that just because that's what she does. She came up with something called the Phantom Clown Theory and attributes all these clown sightings with mass hysteria because a lot of them are witnessed by children. But in the case in 2016, there was just videos and cameras. I mean, people caught that shit everywhere, so I don't think that was fake. And then there was also a big rash of clown sightings in England. (laughs) And uh, a lot of people said they take it as just the media. Like one person does it and then everybody's like, I'm going to fucking do that. So it's copycat cases. There was an interview talk radio that said killer clown attacks. Leading professor says sensationalist media has fueled clown apocalypse, which I think I heard of that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But they also said a lot of these pop up just because it's Halloween. So simple as that. It's Halloween and people. But it's also, not to bring it back to the Joker, but when I was writing my notes, I'm like, oh, that's what happened. The Joker does things in the clown makeup, and then it's just like everybody starts dressing up like the clown. So mm-hmm. it's the mass hysteria and the hiding behind a mask. Nobody knows that you're doing dumb shit because you have that thing to hide. Clowns are creepy. There you go. That was the end. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, like, the whole hiding behind a mask thing, because when I was a zombie, or when I was a zombie walker for Horror Nights in 2012, I wore a full-on mask, and it's crazy because some of the shit that I did in that mask, like, I I wouldn't be able to do without it. It's, like, this power that is just given to you. Yeah. Yeah. weird psychological thing. There is, you know, the mob mentality. So if you're around a lot of people doing the same thing, you're more likely to join because you don't want to be the one left out. And then also, if you're hiding behind a mask, nobody knows it's you, so you're more likely to do things out of characteristic of yours. Yeah. Well, that's like the inter- internet of masks. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. People will post shit all the time on the internet and not even get a second thought. But they, but can they say that to your face? No, probably not. Yeah. Exactly. No, not at all. But yeah. Clowns. God damn it. <laughs> all right. Well, that was the episode. Why don't you guys tell us where everybody can find you? Yay! All right. Well, again, we're cheers from the grave. You can find us in any major podcast platform like Spotify, Apple Music, and all that jazz. Our website is cheersfromthegrave.com. Yeah, Nicole, you want to tell us the social medias? 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it's always me. Twitter is Cheers from Grave. Facebook, Instagram at Cheers from the Grave. And our Gmail, if you want to send us listener stories, anything you think we might find interesting, any suggestions, Cheers from the Grave at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, we also have a merchandise shop, which yes. is shop.spreadshirt.com slash cheers from the grave. And we have our Patreon, which is cheers from the grave. So again, uh, if you like us and listen to us and like what we do and want some more ad on special things or whatever, then please feel free to join that as well. All right, guys, we have a shout out this week and it is for my best friend from college, Carrie. She oh, is our, <laughs> she's like our newest spicy AF member of patreon and i'm so excited guys she knows all my secrets but she will not tell you <laughs> we should have her as a guest and so she can tell all the secrets <laughs> well she's really cool she's actually uh sells beer for sam adams so it's right up her alley <laughs> does she want to be our sponsor as well like <laughs> yeah yeah carrie get at it sam adams to sponsor us that'd be amazing but yeah we're so excited so well, happy to be a birth birthmas present <laughs> Today is actually her birthday. <laughs> oh. so, also, happy birthday, Carrie. But for our birthday present, we should get a sponsorship. And for you. I mean, you might can get a cut of it. Wait, we'll yeah. see. Everybody wins here. <laughs> Everybody wins. Oh, but if you'd like to be a Patreon member and get a cool-ass shout-out along with all the other benefits, then go to www.patreon.com slash historicalafpod. We also started a thing like if you don't want the commitment of Patreon, we both did it. Uh, there's a thing called Kofi, and yeah. you can just buy us a cup of coffee to help fuel this podcast. So if you don't yeah. want commitment, check that out too. So it's k o dash f i dot com, and ours is Cheers from the Grave. Okay, and ours is Historical AF Pod. Shocker. Yeah, <laughs> it's really cool because like you can just sit here and do like a one-time donation of three dollars or more, or whatever. And it it doesn't have to be a monthly thing. It's like it's whatever you want to donate at whatever time. So it's a really cool thing. I think it's a it's a nice little alternative to Patreon for those who don't want to do the monthly commitment, which is understandable because yeah. money and bills and stuff. So, so yeah, we all got bills. Mm-hmm. We understand. But if you like us, help support us because indie pods, are, it's hard, guys. Mm-hmm. It's it hard is. out there. The struggle is real. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, we also have a website. It is historicalafpodcast.wordpress.com. We have all our sources, our photos, and Nat and I just added all of our artwork up there. So we also have contact if you want to commission stuff from us. You can hit Ooh. us up. They have pretty awesome artwork, so you guys should check it out. I love it. <laughs> and, of course, uh, our social media is historicalafpod <laughs> on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then we also have historicalafpod at gmail.com. So we always love listener stories as well. Because we like to share spooky shit and apparently ghosts that eat people. That was last (laughs) month. Oh, (laughs) yeah. We got an update. I cannot wait till the first when we read it Mm because she sent us an update. (laughs) Nice. I'm so excited. I really need to know more, though. That's how she ended it, too. And apparently they eat you. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> We're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> what? yeah don't go over there because the ghost will eat you. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, more to come, luckily. Yeah, very excited. But we always love new stuff. And if you have a cool family history stories like Erica with her umpteenth amount of famous people in her family, we want to hear about it. <laughs> and yeah. uh, as always, if you like us, you know, rate, review us, subscribe. Yes. 
What's what did they do on YouTube? Pound that like button. <laughs> Smash that notification Smash. bell. <laughs> yeah. Or ring the bell. Or like add ring. a blowhorn right there. I like to punch <laughs> the notification bell. <laughs> oh Jesus. God, yeah. Fun. I'm so glad you guys came and uh Yes, thank you. Thank you for waking up early to be here. Well, thank you for having us. Uh, and thank you. And I know you guys had to wake up a little bit earlier in a sense because you're an hour behind us. So thank you. Yeah. So oh, this was oof. fun. It's fun. Yay. Yay. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We will Bye. be back next week with Yay. another fun podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say what it is. And I'm like, oh yeah, we don't tell that till Thursday. Okay. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> Right. Bye. 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 Okay, we're like, oh yeah, you guys do it. We don't say that at the end. We're just like, bye. <laughs> <laughs>